Hello and welcome to A Murderous Affair. My name is Gabrielle and this is the podcast where we talk about women in history known for mayhem and murder. This week's episode was actually a fan request by Joe from the Danger Probe podcast who asked if we would cover an Epstein episode. Well, we're not covering Epstein himself because, like I said, this is the podcast for women known for mayhem and murder, but we will be covering one of his more famous associates and the woman who is currently going to be going on trial in July of 2021 for charges related to sex trafficking of minors. All right, so quick disclaimer here. Actually, two and a half disclaimers. So this episode, first of all, is obviously covering some pretty heavy topics. So if you are someone who maybe doesn't want to hear about um, anything involving the Epstein case or any of the details with that, I would definitely proceed with caution. Um, There are a lot of discussions of sexual assaults, rape, pedophilia, all of that, um, and how much Maxwell is involved with that. Secondly... All right, and I'm saying this because technically she hasn't undergone her trial, and no matter what I personally believe, I'm going to say this as a blanket statement that everything here is alleged until she undergoes trial and a jury determines her verdict, and the reason I'm saying this is because Maxwell has a ton of money, and I don't want to risk getting sued for some kind of slander or anything like that. Um, Even though I know the unlikeliness of that happening, I am still a tiny person who cannot undergo anything involving a giant court case, like what that would be. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and blanket statements say that this is all alleged, um, just so that, you know, I'm covered there, even though my personal opinion is that she is absolute garbage trash of a human being. But just kind of throwing that out there the same way I did the Gucci Mafia case, um, just so I'm covered. But here's the half announcement. Apparently, they're also making a movie about the Lady Gucci murder and how she uh, hired men to kill her husband. And Lady Gaga is going to be playing the Lady Gucci. And I'm really excited about that. So that's my half announcement I just wanted to share. And if you guys have not heard that episode or heard of that murderous or anything involving that case, I highly recommend you check it out. I have an episode about the Lady Gucci and the murder that she was involved in. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Ghislaine Maxwell. There probably aren't many people out there in the world who don't know her name by now. A lot of people know that she is involved with the convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, but how exactly is she involved? What was her role? And what does this mean for her upcoming trial? Ghislaine, how do you say it? God, I don't know how to say her name. Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine. I keep wanting to say Ghislaine. Um, Ghislaine Maxwell was born in France in 1961. She was the ninth and youngest child in her family, and her father was this huge publishing tycoon. Think Mitch Huntsberger levels from Gilmore Girls. She also grew up, like, obscenely rich. 
her mansion that she lived in had 53 rooms. Maxwell was described as being her father's favorite. She attended Oxford University and eventually went on to work in many of her father's different companies. Some of these included being a director for the Oxford United Football Club while her father owned it, working at the European, which is a publishing firm her father started, and spending a lot of time on her father's yacht. Named after her, the Lady Jelaine. God, God, every time. Lady Ghislaine after herself. And on that yacht, there was a jacuzzi, sauna, gym, and dance floor. In 1991, he bought the New York Daily News and she was sent to New York to act on his behalf. Later that November, her father, Robert Maxwell, was found dead in the water by the Canary Islands, just off of his fancy boat. His official cause of death was considered to be accidental drowning, but Maxwell insists that, quote, he did not commit suicide, that was just not consistent with his character, I think he was murdered. Apparently, a lot of people assumed by accidental drowning, it meant that he had thrown himself off the boat purposefully. And, turns out that he had apparently been involved in some pretty serious fraud schemes. He was embezzling money of over 440 million pounds in pension funds that left 32,000 people affected. Two of Maxwell's brothers, who were actually more involved on the business side of things, were charged with fraud in relation to this scandal in 1992, but were acquitted of charges in 1996. So what we can tell from this already is that Maxwell's family is no stranger to crime and to kind of using people for their own gain. Obviously, if this is something her father did and she was so close to her father, this is my personal opinion, but I'm pretty sure that means that she probably picked up a bunch of ways to manipulate people or learn, you know, tons of ways to commit crimes through him if he's the one who kind of started this whole thing. She was just basically learning one-on-one -on -one how to be a bad person her entire life. Now, there's a lot of different stories about when Maxwell actually met Epstein. Some accounts say that it was in the late 1980s through her father's, and others say that it was in the early 1990s when they both attended the same party. According to Vicki Ward, who was one of the journalists that was interviewed in the docuseries on Netflix, Filthy Rich, she believes that Maxwell got so involved with Epstein because she was reeling from this huge loss in her life and missing her relationship with her father and Epstein kind of provided her some security and comfort during this time, and that's how they got so close. Either way, she was known as the main girlfriend, the lady of the house, and the aggressive assistant by household employees who worked for Epstein. And while together, they met dozens of the most wealthy in the world, both from Epstein's connections and Maxwell's own. This included Prince Andrew, the Duke of York, and previous presidents Donald Trump and his family, and Bill Clinton and his family. Also, quick side note, if you have not watched the documentary on Netflix, Filthy Rich, yet, I highly recommend that you do. And, randomly, I could not figure out why James Patterson was in it, um, and then they said that he was a neighbor of Epstein, so I figured that was why, but it turns out that he's actually written a book called Filthy Rich, which I have not personally read yet, but I guess that would make sense if it's somehow adapted from that book, or if he was involved in making that docuseries. Either way, definitely recommend watching that docuseries if you're interested in the Epstein case because it definitely showed so much more that I personally didn't know and when I was trying to find out online, um, it helped bring a lot of details to light. So, highly recommend that docuseries if you haven't watched it yet. So, how exactly was she involved 
with Epstein's crimes. Well, Epstein was convicted of sexually trafficking underage girls, and Maxwell was apparently known to be his fixer. Not only would she kind of go and reach out to different young women who were underage and convince them to come to Epstein's properties, but she would also, according to many victim statements, be in the room and involved with the sexual act. During uh, one of the first episodes in the Filthy Rich series where Maria Farmer is being interviewed, she states that Jelaine was in the room as Maria was crying and saying things like it was going to be okay and actively participating. She also lured Farmer's younger sister, who was 16 at the time, into staying at Epstein's properties by telling her family and her older sister that she would be staying with other kids her age on the property in New Mexico and that this would be a big trip that was planned that would help her get some experience traveling and work experience outside of the country or something similar to that. Turns out that this underage sister was the only one staying with the two at their New Mexico ranch and Maxwell had her do inappropriate massages in situations where Epstein could watch and just led to a whole bunch of, I'm sure you can guess, extremely pedophilic acts. So Maria Farmer was actually involved because Epstein and Maxwell had bought one of her paintings right out of art school and when she graduated they told her that they had a job for her and would pay her to be the one to kind of decorate and manage one of their properties and it was at this time when she went over and began working for them that they assaulted her. So one day they found out that her younger sister was coming to visit and invited the sister to lunch along with Farmer and Farmer didn't realize that they were doing this to other people, so she didn't see a problem with inviting her younger sister because she didn't think that anything would happen to her. And that's how they were able to convince Farmer's younger sister and basically told her, oh yeah, we're going to make this happen for you because it's a good opportunity for you. When Maria Farmer found out that she and her sister had both experienced assault by Epstein and Maxwell, she reported this case to the FBI and somehow Maxwell found out and she called Maria and said that she would burn her art and her career and destroy any chance that she had of living a good life. Farmer spent time moving constantly and relocating to different locations, but according to her statement, no matter where she went, Jelaine would call her on the home phone and say that she knew where she'd lived and kind of repeat these threats over and over again. Another victim, whose name was Virginia Roberts, was personally recruited by Maxwell as she was working at a lock as a locker room attendant in Mar-a-Lago. Jelaine allegedly came up to her and said, oh, are you reading a book on massage therapy? I know someone who's looking for a travel masseuse. Why don't you come over after work and meet him? And this was when Roberts was 16 years old. Roberts met Maxwell later on at Epstein's house and Maxwell was showing her how to properly massage, um, saying things like put your lotion here on your hands and make sure you get his feet and his calves and his back, all the while asking questions about her life. Roberts was a runaway who lived on the streets and had been abused in the past and felt like this was maybe a huge opportunity for her and wanted to make sure that they both knew that. And that's when Maxwell was instructing her to take off her clothes and they both assaulted her. Afterwards, she told Roberts that quote, the interview went great, you're going to come back tomorrow. It's Roberts who was the one who was photographed with Prince Andrew when she was 17 and said that she was trafficked out 
to Maxwell and Epstein's different friends, politicians, businessmen, very powerful people. She's described as being the right-hand person on top of this pyramid. So where Maxwell allegedly would pay girls to come over and massage Epstein and he would then assault them. She would then encourage the girls to go and tell their friends or tell people who wanted to make extra money that she would pay them $200 for an hour massage if they would come over and massage Epstein at his residence. And she then encouraged those girls who came and who were recruited by their friends. And like, it just kept going on into this big spider web and chain. Now, where Epstein was apparently this big introvert who enjoyed the intrigue of where did you get your money and having like a Gatsby-esque persona, Maxwell was charismatic and bubbly and engaged and charming. She was extremely extroverted and could make friends with anyone. You know, and so there's so many of these women who come forward in this docuseries and explain how Maxwell really made them feel like they were special or would kind of convince them into doing these things. So it's alleged with plenty of Epstein's victims corroborating and telling the same stories that Maxwell was the fixer. She was the one who found countless women for Epstein and between 2015 and 2020 had eight civil lawsuits from these victims. Now, when all this was breaking, when there was the big Epstein court case that happened in 2019, she went into hiding and let the court and her lawyers deal with it by proxy. In 2019, she moved to a 156-acre property in New Hampshire, where she was arrested in July of 2020. The FBI broke in through her locked gate and announced themselves at the door, saying that she needed to open it. But they saw her through the window, run to another room in the house, and shut the door. So they had to break down the door and catch her as she was trying to flee the premises. She was originally charged with six counts from, quote, transporting a minor for the purposes of criminal sexual activity to conspiring to entice minors to travel to engage in illegal sex acts and to perjury related to statements she made in court. Part of her indictment reads that, quote, from at least in or about 1994, up to and including at least in or about 1997, Maxwell assisted, facilitated, and contributed to Jeffrey's Epstein's abuse of minor girls by, among other things, helping Epstein to recruit, groom, and ultimately abuse victims known to Maxwell and Epstein to be under the age of 18. The victims were as young as 14 years old when they were groomed and abused by Maxwell and Epstein, both of whom knew that certain victims were in fact under the age of 18. And in March 2021, there was a rewritten indictment made to add a quote, sex trafficking conspiracy and a sex trafficking charge against Maxwell. It also added a fourth girl to the allegations, saying that she was sexually abused multiple times by Epstein between 2001 and 2004 at his Palm Beach, Florida residence beginning when she was 14 years old. And this girl was encouraged by Maxwell to recruit other girls, like I said earlier, to provide these quote, sexual massages by giving her lingerie and hundreds of dollars in cash. Now, she has pleaded not guilty and actually at her trial proposed that she serve her pre-trial detention at a luxury Manhattan hotel. She was denied this bail because of her extreme flight risk. Obviously, she's extremely rich. She has three passports, a ton of international contacts, and at literally no reason to stay in the United States. So currently, she is an inmate at the Metropolitan Detention Center in Brooklyn, 
and her trial date is set for July of 2021. I got most of the information from articles before I watched the Filthy Rich docuseries and after I watched it I noticed that everybody, all the women that they interview from their first police interviews when they're teenagers to now in the docuseries, they always refer to they when talking about the acts committed against them. So it's not just he did this or he did that, it's they did this and they did that and they told me this. So Maxwell, whether or not people believe the charges of sex trafficking for whatever reason, the consistency that these women tell on, in their stories, the fact that it all seems to begin the same way, the fact that they share so many of the same details and that Jelaine Maxwell is involved in every single one, that she is always the other one when they're referring to the they, except for in a, except for in a few circumstances, definitely leads me to believe that she thought that she could get away with this. She was much more involved than she has been trying to make everyone else believe. She has completely said that she is not guilty and had no involvement and knew of no criminal activity by Epstein. And I think part of it is just she is literally so rich. She has so much money. She grew up in such a rich environment. This is just me speculating, but this is my opinion, that she just thought that these girls and these now women could just be bought off and like eventually enough money will pay for anything because that's what it almost feels like. It almost feels like, well, I paid you for this and we're paying for you to do that. So therefore it's okay. And how much do you want to make this to go away? And I feel like people with that excess amount of money just really have no knowledge of how the real world works because they think everything and everyone can be bought to some degree. This is just above and beyond for like the depravity that you can commit as a human. I am going to leave this episode here because it's not over yet. Like this is one, I think our very first episode that we've talked about an actual current case and I'm sure there'll be more details and more things that we find out about this horrible, terrible woman when her trial proceeds. So I'm just gonna go ahead and end this episode here. I would honestly love to know what you thought of this episode, what you think of the entire Maxwell Epstein cases as a whole. And honestly, I feel like this is a case that, one, you can kind of hear my voice, I had a really hard time like saying certain things because so many of these topics are so horrendous and so hard to talk about, but they should be talked about because not only are they things that happen and that the victims are oftentimes shamed for, but when the victims and people who have experienced these things go, go and come forward, they, I realize that this topic is so uncomfortable for so many people, so anybody who could do their part by talking about this topic, making it so that it's easier and more, I don't know how to say it, more comfortable, I guess, for the victims or people who have experienced these things to come forward. Anything you could do to make this something that we actually talk about as a society, I believe is super important, which is why I really wanted to do this case and cover Maxwell in this entire situation when it was recommended to me. So hopefully I've done a decent job at at least broaching this topic. Obviously, I'm no expert and anybody who knows or of someone or who they themselves have experienced any kind of sexual assault, um, any kind of human trafficking, you can reach the National Human Trafficking Hotline in the United States at 1-888-373-7888 and it is open 24 hours, 7 days a week. They have a multiple languages or you can text HELP or INFO to 
233-733. And you can also call the National Sexual Assault Telephone Hotline at 1-800-656-HOPE and you'll be routed to a local sexual assault service provider in your area. Now, I wish I knew more of the international scale of the places that you can call and people that you can get a hold of for help. Um, I will try and leave some in the description link. So if you are outside of the United States looking for help, then there are definitely some there. That's all I have for you guys today. This episode was a long one and a rough one, um, but I feel like it is one that is important to talk about. So I would love to know what you thought of it. If there's anything that I missed, feel free to get a hold of me at frumiousreads, F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S. I'm on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram. You can follow the podcast at any place that you normally listen to podcasts, whether that's Apple or Google or Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbrain, Libsyn, anything and anywhere that you can listen to podcasts, we're basically there. I will be covering more of the story as the case develops and as the trial date gets closer, but that's all I have for you guys this week. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Goodbye.